All right, let's read tonight Psalms 37, one verse, one verse. And this really kind of boils down to what we're doing here in this psalm tonight. So look at Psalms 37. If you've been saved any amount of time, you may have this verse memorized, or at least you've heard it quoted often. So look at it, verse 25. I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Leave your Bibles open. Let's see if we can't work our way through some of these great verses. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Bible, the Word of God. Thank you for Psalms 37. I pray your blessings upon it as we just skip around in some of these verses of this great, great psalm. Bless us tonight, please. And may these verses encourage our hearts. I don't know who may have walked into this place tonight discouraged. Maybe as this psalm says, it doesn't use the word discouraged, but it, used the word, it uses the word fret. And maybe there's somebody that's walked into this room tonight and they're fretting, they're upset, or, or whatever, discouraged because of some things that have happened. Maybe in their family or maybe in, on their job situation. Or maybe just discouraged with themselves. I don't know. But help us tonight, please. And may these verses speak to us and encourage us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, for many months now, we have been in our Wednesday evening services making our way through the Old Testament book of Psalms. Psalms is one of the poetical books of our Old Testament. And I've been preaching, just very simply, preaching through these Psalms. We have moved through now... Not 37, but we have moved through 36 of the opening psalms of this great book. I feel like thus far that we have found a lot of instruction on how to handle the difficulties of life that we so often encounter along the way. And the predominant writer of these first 36 chapters, 36 psalms, is of course David. Out of the first 36 psalms, all but three of them have been attributed to the pen of David. And in Psalms 37, as we approach this psalm tonight, we're told right up there in the superscription of this psalm that once again we find it to be a psalm of David. David was the ins human instrument that God used, the human element that God used to pen this psalm. Now, we understand the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible, but we also understand that the Holy Spirit used human authors, human men, to pen the words of of the Bible. In most of the Psalms that, da that David, that we have looked at thus far, we have found David to be a young man. Most of them, he is, uh, attributes himself to being a young, youthful David. In fact, in most of the Psalms thus far, uh, about the greatest thing going on in David's life, his biggest problem has been running and hiding from King Saul. And we know that all those things happened during the younger days of David. He was a young man. But as we approach Psalms 37, he tells us tonight, I used to be young, and now I am old. So as he pens the words of this psalm, we find David no longer running from Saul, no longer hiding in caves or in woods from Saul. David is now an older man. I think most of us uh, will agree that David died somewhere around the age of 70 years old. 
And he's somewhere in that vicinity as he pens these words. Most people think that David wrote Psalms 37 uh, as uh, writing to his son Solomon to impart instruction, to, to uh, share with him some of the experiences uh, along the journey of his life, to impart wisdom to young Solomon. I don't know about all that. But I do think that uh, we see David in this text grappling with the age-old question of why do good things happen to bad people and why do bad things happen to good people. You know, one of the age-old questions that man wrestles with is why do the wicked prosper while the righteous seem to suffer? I don't know if you've ever mulled that over much in your mind. Why does God's people have to suffer? Seems like to me that if, if, if I were God, I, I'd fix it where my people, uh, you know, had a fairly easy life and let the other crowd suffer a whole lot. But, you know, that's not the way it works. Oftentimes we read in our Bible that God, uh, uh, he makes it to, uh, to rain on the just as well as the unjust. There's going to be a lot of things that happen to you and I in this walk of life that there is not going to be an explanation for. But I gave you this the other Sunday, and I want to mention it again. When things in your life are spinning out of control, when you have more questions than you do answers, look up on the screens. It is better to be a worshiper than a philosopher. You and I, things are going to happen to us in this walk of life that there is going to be no explanation for you're not going to be able to understand why. In fact, there's going to be some things that we're not going to be able to understand until we get to heaven. And we might as well just accept that, uh, that God's not going to have to fill in all the details. He's not going to have to fill in all the blanks. He's not going to have to give us an answer for everything that we demand an answer for. He's God. And we have to just love him and trust him, even when things seemingly don't work out like we think they ought to work out. Can I give you some good advice? When things happen to you and you don't know why they happen, why don't you just be a worshiper and not a philosopher? Can I have an amen? Can I give you some good advice? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Well, as David pins these words in Psalms chapter 37, as, as we look at these words, this chapter, as I said a moment ago, is filled with some of the greatest verses of our Bible. I mean, and I'm going to point some of them out in just a moment. You may want, even want to circle some of these, or if you've got a highlighter, highlight some of these verses in this psalm. But I want to approach it a little bit differently tonight. Let me approach it like this. How many of you at home have what you call a medicine cabinet? Now, maybe your medicine cabinet is in your bathroom, and it has a mirror on the front of it. You know, you've seen those like that before, and you pull back the mirror, and then there's a few shelves, and a lot of people keep their medicine in the medicine cabinet in their bathroom. You have a medicine cabinet. Uh, at our house, our medicine cabinet is actually uh, in one of the cabinets in the kitchen. And uh, we got medicine there probably dating back to 1980 or so. We hardly ever throw medicine away. I don't know why. I guess we think, well, we may need this some of these days. But I still got medicine in there from kidney stones back in the mid-'80s. I always think, man, if I ever have another kidney stone, at least I got medicine. Probably ain't no good. But, uh, uh, you know, we have medicine cabinets in our home. Well, there is a great question that is asked in our Bible that I want to ask and then try to answer from Psalms 37. Now, the question that is asked in our Bible is this. The question is, what aileth thee? 
That question is asked uh, actually a couple of times in our Bible. It's asked back in the book of Genesis and also in that book there in the book of 2 Samuel. What aileth thee? Can I ask you a question tonight? What's ailing you? What is ailing you? know, it's one thing to be physically sick. And I think you'll agree with me that our church family has a lot of sickness in it. A lot of our members, as I said a moment ago, are battling cancer or, uh, you know, are battling something that's going on in their life. There are a lot of physically sick people. But I think you'll also agree with me when I say this. It's one thing to be physically sick. It's another thing to be spiritually sick. You know, physically sick, you know, you can take medicine for that. Uh, whatever that, uh, the physical ailment may be, you can go to some kind of a doctor and they may tell you to run over here to CVS and have this prescription filled out. But where do you go for spiritual ailments? Well, the answer is the Word of God. And Psalms chapter 37 is like a medicine cabinet, if you can imagine that. I mean, as we open up this psalm, we kind of get the idea that God has some medicines for whatever may be ailing you tonight. So what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of go through this psalm and I want to pick out some, uh, some uh, conditions, some spiritual ailments that many of God's people have. And then I want to give you a dose or two of these verses that hopefully will help you with your spiritual ailment. All right, let's get started. First of all, look, if you will, in the opening verses of Psalms 37. And let me say this. If you are nauseated because of the naughty, you may want to take a verse or two, a, a, a dose or two of verse 1 and verse 2. Now, when I say nauseated because of the naughty, you know, there are some people in, maybe in this room tonight, and um, you may feel like that the unsaved people have it better than saved people. Now, if you fall into that category tonight, can I tell you this? The devil, I think, at one point or another tries to convince all of us that things were better off in our life before we were saved than they are now that we are saved. Now, you don't have to say amen right there because we all want to look as spiritual as we possibly can, and I get that. But I must tell you, there has been a time or two in my life when the devil has tapped me on the shoulder and reminded me or said to me, boy, don't you wish you was unsaved? You seem like you used to have it better when you were on the other side of Calvary than you do on this side of Calvary. And let me just say this. That's a tactic that the devil has used against many of God's people. How many times as we move through the Old Testament do we read something similar to this right here? Exodus 16, 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and when we did eat, did eat bread to the full. Now they're in the wilderness. They're having some lack. And what do they start doing? They're thinking about how wonderful things were when they were back in the land of Egypt. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the only time that we read a, a, a statement like this in our Old Testament because a little bit later, a few books over, we read this. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Freely? Are you kidding me? You were slaves there. You were servants working in slime pits. You were making bricks for Pharaoh. 
16, 18 hours a day. You, you felt the scourge and the whip of the taskmaster. You, you were in constant pain and, and you were in bondage. Things were not at all good in your life. Oh, and the devil taps you on the shoulder. Hey, you remember all those things you used to eat freely? Are you kidding me? And then he goes on to say the cucumber. I'm sorry, can I go back? The cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now as our soul dried away, there's nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. You know what they're saying? We had it better off down in Egypt than we got out here in this wilderness. And many times as God's people, you know, the devil will come to us and try to convince us that life was better on the other side of Calvary than it is now. When troubles and problems begin to come in our life, he tries to take us back and, and tell us that things are, used to be better in our life back then than they are now. Well, if you believe that, let me read you some verses. Look at verse 1. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious, against the workers of iniquity. Stop. What's he saying? Don't, don't become envious of those that are without God. Don't, don't ever think they've got it better than you've got it. Look at verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That crowd down on the job that you work with, it seems like they got so much better. Oh, they're going to go to the race this week. They're going to throw chicken bones. They're going to, they're going to give the finger as people ride around the track. They're going to drink their beer, throw beer all over it. They're going to have a time. What do you get to do? Go to church. And the devil convinces us, man, we're missing out on the best that life has to offer. How many people sit inside of our churches and look out the stained glass windows at a world that they think has it better off than we do? Friend, the Bible said right there in verse number 2, oh, they're going to soon be cut down. Don't sound like to me that's something to look forward to. I'm not sure all it's implied by that statement there, but I tell you, I don't like the sound of it. They shall be soon cut down like grass, wither as the green herb. Hey, look at me. There's no comparison between an unsaved man and a saved man. Guess what? Uh, we may live on this earth uh, 70, 80 years, as the case may be, but I'm here to tell you, uh, they may look like they, uh, we're always drawing the short straw. They've got it so much better than we do, but what is eternity compared to this walk of life? Look on down in this same chapter. Why not take a dose of verse 9? Look at verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Look at verse, uh, verse number 10. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Look down at verse 13. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. And now I'm starting to understand. Maybe things aren't as bad on this side of Calvary as I thought they were. Look on down in this chapter. Look at verse number 20. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke. Shall they consume away? Oh, if you're nauseated by the naughty, friend, you need to take a good verse, a good dose of some of these verses. Is that your problem? Is that ailing you? It looks like they ride around in the, in the, uh, the Rolls Royces and you ride around on a moped. 
You live in a single-wide trailer. Not anything wrong with that. They live in a 5,000-square-foot mansion. I don't understand this. I try to do what's right. They never try to do what's right. Looks like they got it better off than I do. God said, there. I see. I'm laughing at them. I see that their day's coming. Can I have an amen? Yeah, if you're nauseated by the naughty, we got some medicine for you in this psalm. Number two, look at this. If you're frantic because of your finances, if you're frantic because of your finances, you know many are. Many struggle because of their financial situation. Many struggle to pay their bills, struggle to make ends meet. Too much month left at the end of their money. Uh, and they struggle financially all the days of their life. You know, many times you and I can tithe and give to God what rightfully belongs to Him and seem like we just, you know, just struggle almost from paycheck to paycheck. Well, let me just say, if that is your ailment, you need to take a dose or two of verse 3, 4, and 5. Look at verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land. Read it with me now. And verily thou shalt bid. Verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And he shall give thee thee. What's the next word? Desires of the heart. Look at verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. There's your formula. There's your formula. Trust and delight and commit. And as we trust God and delight in Him and commit our ways unto Him, God takes over and does the rest. Look at verse 19. Boy, this is a good, good verse. Would you read it with me? Look at verse 19. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. They, what, hold on. They, the righteous. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And now read the rest of it. And in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. Sounds like to me everything's going to be all right. Sounds like to me that even though the famines come, God's going to see to it that his youngins is going to have something to eat. I, I look at this verse right here. Here is a good one. Look at verse 25. David said, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know what he's saying there? Hey, don't, don't fret over your finances. Don't worry about it. You do right. You honor God. You live for God, and God's going to see to it that he is going to meet the needs of your life. Can I have an amen? And if you really want to read a good verse... Look at this one. I want you to read this one with me. Verse 16. A little. Would y'all read it with me now? All right, ready? Let's go. Ready? A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Man, kind of sounds like to me we got more than they got. Don't worry. Don't be frantic about your finances. Don't, don't be feverish, nauseated because of the naughty. Don't be feverish because of your finances. And then look at this one. Here's the third element. What's ailing you? Could you be anxious because of your assurance? I don't know about you, but a lot of people wrestle with the doubt of being saved. I don't know if you've ever had this experience or not, but I did, especially very early on in my Christian life because uh, the church that I was growing up at, we went to the old... Uh, uh, the old uh, Oh, my goodness. White, 
what's the name of that place up there? White Pines, not White Pines, Pine Ridge. We went to White, uh, we went to Pine Ridge Baptist Church. And every uh, once in a while, for some reason, they'd get a preacher in there that didn't believe, it, that didn't believe in eternal security. And, uh, and mom and daddy just kept going to church there. And daddy never did believe you could lose your salvation. And, and they'd get a preacher in, and he'd start preaching that. Daddy just, he'd just huff and puff about that. And I'd think, well, Daddy, I mean, why don't we just go find us another church? <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, and, and I wrestled with that. I heard stuff like that. And, and then I thought to myself, you know, somehow that what happened to me when I got saved had to match up to what happened to other people when they got saved. Have you ever had that struggle in your life before? Uh, I mean, you go to church and you hear how somebody else gives a testimony and, boy, they had one of these spectacular experiences of salvation. You know, when they got saved, they shouted all over the church and cried five-gallon bucketfuls of tears. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't get saved at church. I got saved at home. But I, I got saved at night in my bedroom by myself. And if I'd have shouted, my daddy would probably come in there and gave me a whooping. So I, I didn't shout. And I didn't cry. I don't think I cried the night that I got saved. So I think to myself, well, evidently I didn't do it right. And I'd go back and ask the Lord. I bet I've, been, I bet I've asked the Lord to save me 75 times before it finally dawned on me one time was enough. Many times we try to make our experience match up to somebody else's experience. You know, probably one of the most spectacular experiences of salvation in our Bible was the experience of the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Boy, you talk about an experience. I mean, he's riding up to Damascus, to Damascus, and all of a sudden this big old light starts shining around about him. And then first thing you know, he, he falls on his face, and he hears a voice from heaven. And that voice begins to, uh, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And then after he answers the voice for the next three days, he can't see anything. He's smitten with blindness. Now, I've got to ask you a question now. How many of y'all, maybe I shouldn't ask this, <laughs> but don't answer. Just sit there and listen to my question. How many of y'all saw a light when you got saved? Don't raise your hand if you did. How many of y'all heard a voice when you got saved? How many of y'all were blind for the next three days after you? I didn't have that kind of an experience. And if most of us in this room would be honest, we didn't have that kind of an experience neither. So if I've got to measure my experience by the experience of Saul of Tarsus, I'm still lost and in my sins. And so are most of us in this room tonight. I like to think that I had a Matthew experience. Matthew was sitting over there by the receipt of customs, probably adding some stuff up on the calculator. Jesus looked at him and said, come on, follow me. Matthew just got up, started following Jesus. No lights, no voices, so to speak, no feelings. He just got up and started following Jesus. Now, I can identify with that. Can I have an amen? But it's a good day in our life when we finally realized that my experience don't have to match up with your experience. Your experience don't have to match up with my experience. Guess what? If you did what the Bible said for you to do, guess what? You are saved. And the one thing that will never happen to a saved person is a saved person will never go to hell. I say that uh, uh, with authority based upon the Word of God. If, 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 if God lets one saved person who has accepted his son go to hell... God will be breaking his word. And God will never break his word. Now, if you're sitting here tonight and you struggle with doubts, especially when it comes to the area of your salvation, you need to th take three tablespoons, eight hours a day of verse 18. Now look at verse 18. 
The Lord knoweth the days of the upright. And their inheritance, read it now, shall be forever. Read on again, same chapter. Look at verse number 28. Here's what the Bible said. For the Lord loveth judgment. And what's the next word? Forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. Look at verse 23 and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Though he fall. You ever fell before since you got saved? You ever messed up? You ever sinned? Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. I'll tell you, there's some great verses, aren't they? Let me just tell you this. If God say, if you're saved tonight, if you called on Jesus, guess what? God saved you for Jesus' sake, and you're saved for eternity. Set all that to rest. If you're nauseated by the naughty, if you're fevered because of your finances, if you're anxious because of your assurance, but then number four, look at this. If you're pained by your problems... If you're pained by your problems. Anybody in here got problems tonight? Maybe I should ask it like this. Anybody in here don't have problems tonight? Problems come in all shapes, forms, and sizes. But if you're alive, you got problems. Sometimes it's family problems. Sometimes it's problems on the job. Sometimes it's neighborhood problems. We all have problems. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again probably before I get done. The only fellow in the whole world that's got all of his problems behind him is a school bus driver. We all have problems. But if you're pained by your problems, maybe you should read verse 39. Look at verse 39. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Now read this with me. He is their strength in the time of trouble. I've got a strength in the time of my trouble. I, I've got a God who promised me that he was never, back up in verse number, uh, where I read that, verse 28, that he's never going to forsake his saints and he's going to give us strength in the time of our troubles. You think back, now think about this, you think back about your life tonight and all the problems you've been through and the key words is these, You've been through them. You made it. I made it. Oh, there were some times in my life I didn't think I was going to make it. There were some times I was just sure it was over. But guess what? Here I stand now. Years later, on the other side of all that, how did I get through it? Only thing I can tell you is God was my strength. God helped me through it. And the same God that helped me through my troubles and my problems is the same God's going to help you through your problems. You don't have to be overcome by your troubles and by your problems. You know why? We have a strength available to us. I've said this before. See if you don't agree with it. When it comes to God and his people, God has a book for our names. God has a bag for our sins. God has a bottle for our tears. And God has a back for our burdens. Everybody in this room, and I don't know how many there are of us tonight. I'd say, I don't know. How many of y'all are here? Okay, four of us. 
I'll tell you this, all four of us could come up here to this altar tonight and take every problem we've got and lay it on the back of God, and he'd never bat an eyelash because his back is big enough for our burdens. He is our strength in the time of our trouble. So if you're pained by your problems, hey, take a dose of verse 39. Now watch this. If you're distressed because of your direction. You say, preacher, I, I don't, I, I'm facing a problem. I don't even know what to do. I don't know which road to take. I don't know which direction to go. I, I just simply, I'm at wit's end. Wit's end. I don't even know what to do. Well, take a good, ver, a good dose of verse number 23. Let's read verse 23. Read it with me. Ready? The steps of a good man are and he delighteth in his way. In other words, as you and I try to live close to God and try to do what's right, we have the promise of God that God is going to direct our steps. God is going to direct our path. What's that verse in Proverbs chapter 3 that says, that, uh, what's, what's that verse? Good night. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Trust in the Lord. That's coming to me now. Bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse. It's coming to me now. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall do what? Direct our paths. And just a little bit later it says, Honor the Lord with the first fruits of thy substance. Same chapter. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty. I didn't miss it far when I was quoting that verse about tithing. But the Bible tells us here that if we honor him, if we commit ourselves to him, he will order our steps. And by the way, look again at verse 23. He will also order our stops. Uh, my wife and I recently have been trying, we're, we're in the process of trying to, uh, you know, you, you probably know this by now. If you don't, I'll tell you. We, got some, we have some land uh, near the church here, and we've been trying our best to, seek the Lord's direction about what what we should do and uh, we want to get back you know it's a long drive to church and we want to get back closer to the church and so uh, anyway with that being said uh, we thought we had a plan last week and so man we're, we're excited about it this is the plan this is the first step so here we go so we started toward that plan and that plan God said no -uh. God said no and uh, I just told my wife, I said, God's put a no on that one. We just need to forget about that. Well, this week, I thought I had another plan. So uh, this week, I called this fella about a house, and I, we thought about, well, if we can't uh, maybe build a house, we'll just buy one that's already built and pick it up and move it over there. So uh, we went over here. There's a couple of houses over here on the university for sale. And so I called the yard. It's commercial property, but there's two. There's an old white house sitting on it. I thought, well, we love old white houses. We'll just uh, we'll just buy that house for nothing, nearly nothing, and I'll get me a tractor and trailer and a couple of tractors, and we'll just stop the traffic and pull that thing over there. And so I called the guy, the name who's on there, and I thought, man, this is the plan right here. You can buy an old house. They're just going to tear it down anyway. We can buy this old house. That guy called me back today and said, hey, he's not interested in doing that. I said, well, Lord, you said no to that one too. But you know what? God has a plan. 
and I just got to wait. I, I, I'm going to keep trying some stuff because something's going to work. Something will be God's will. But the thing for me to do is not to get angry and get bitter about it. The thing for me to do is just wait on the Lord. Something's going to work one of these days. Yeah, the steps of a good, if you don't know what to do, don't do anything. Just wait on God. You say, well, I've tried this. Evidently, the Lord said no to it. Well, don't get mad at him. Try something else. Can I have an amen? If you are distressed, is that what I said about that? If you're distressed by your direction. But then last of all, look at this one in this chapter. Here's a good one. If you're fevered because of your failure. Anybody in here messed up recently? Anybody in here said a word you shouldn't have said? Anybody in here done something in a moment of anger you shouldn't have done? Anybody in here maybe uh, maybe wish you could go back and say yesterday or day before yesterday? You've been a failure. You know all of us in here have failed from time to time. But uh, I want to give you a good, a good medicine for that. Look at verse 26. He is ever merciful. Aren't you glad for that? He is ever merciful. I like this part. And lendeth, and his seed is blessed. What's ailing you tonight? What's your spiritual problem? What's got you eat up? What you fretting about? What you stressed over? What are you sick of in your life? Well, I promise you this. If you'll go home and just read this psalm, look at this one, verse 8. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Boy, that's a good verse. Look at verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Don't try to buy houses that are not for sale. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Look at, uh, just, somebody give me, read on down here. Somebody give me a good verse for you right now. Something that's good for you right now. Anybody got one in here? 17. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. Boy, that's a very vengeful person, whoever hollered that verse 17 out, man. They got somebody on the hit list there. Yes, sir. Give me another one. Who's got another one in here? 40? Look at verse 40. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He's talking about those that are in trouble now. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in him. Look at that one right there, verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. That's some good advice, isn't it? Wait on God. Just do what's right. Keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Uh, give me anybody else got one? Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. What was that other one somebody hollered? 18. For the Lord knoweth the days of the earth, their inheritance shall be forever. I'm just saying this, man. There's some great verses in this. Well, for whatever may be ailing you tonight, uh, whatever may be ailing you, there's some great, great verses in this chapter to help you. 
Look at Psalms 37 as God's medicine cabinet. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you.